instead of being in the book of the Revelation, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little break from that for tonight. I want you to, to uh, turn to Psalm 67 this evening. Tonight I want to talk to you about the blessings of God. Psalm 67 is one you may not be familiar with. If everybody has it, let's, let's have prayer and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you that uh, you love us, that you, you care for us, you watch over us, you protect us, you guide us. Father, there are so many blessings that you give to us each and every day and we fail to realize it so many times. How great your blessings are. I pray you'd open our eyes tonight. Open our hearts so we'd hear from you. Our eyes that we might see. And Father, convict us that we may be grateful. In Christ's name, amen. You know, as I was a, when I was a kid, I think I told you this story before, I was a voracious reader. I'd read anything I could find. I loved reading all the time. Uh, I really, though, I, I didn't get into reading great books until I was in about the fifth or sixth grade. That's when I read the first great book, in my opinion, that I ever read. Uh, and it was a book written by Charles Dickens. Now, many of you have probably read some of his novels. You've probably, no doubt, seen uh, either a play or uh, a, a TV program or a movie, uh, Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Now, I've told you before, that's my favorite Christmas show, Christmas program, is A Christmas Carol. We have about, I don't know, six, seven, or eight different versions of it. My favorite version is the classic, uh, The Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, but I loved that book when I was a kid. That was the, the first great book I think I ever read. And I began to fall in love with reading. And, of course, later on, my favorite books, uh, two of my favorite books is Moby Dick and then Last of the Mohicans. And I, I love to read. And I don't read as much as I used to anymore. It's either, either because I've either gotten lazy or I've gotten older because when I sit down in a chair to read, I go to sleep instead of reading anymore. So I don't do it like I used to, but I used to love to read. And like I say, A Christmas Carol, that was one of the first great books that I ever read. Over the years, it's become a tradition in our family. Every Christmas, matter of fact, the other night, I was sitting in the chair, and since my shoulder and neck has been messed up, I hadn't been able to do a whole lot. Marcia said, uh, hey, we got all the Christmas movies already down here. You want to start on that? I said, no, it's, it's a little early. We need to at least wait till almost Thanksgiving before we start getting to the Christmas. It, I can get in the Christmas spirit, but I need to eat turkey and dressing before I really get into the Christmas spirit. Then I can. But, uh, you know, it's a tradition in our family, and it's a great tradition. I love it. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a true story. Three years ago, in 2016, there was another tradition that a school in Pennsylvania had, and it came to a screeching halt. Now, this school in Pennsylvania, elementary school, for about 50 years, they had performed Dickens' A Christmas Carol every year for Christmas. But in 2016... There was three parents who protested because of one line in that classic play. And you probably know which line I'm talking about. It's at the end when uh, Tiny Tim says, and God bless us, everyone. Well, they said, we don't want that. We don't want God. We don't uh, need God's blessing mentioned. We don't want that mentioned. So because of that, that tradition, which had been for almost 50 years, those kids doing that play come to a screeching halt. Now, uh, all because of some bah humbug parents, you know, just a handful of them. I, at times, I still get amazed when I think uh, about life and people, and, and I think, I wonder how much crazier and goofier 
can people get? And then it shows me how goofier they can get. But I do have a question from this. The question I got is this, folks. Who, who would not want God to bless them? Who would not want God to bless their family, to bless their cities, to bless their states, their nation, and to bless the world? I mean, what greater thing could there be than to, to say or to know that you and your loved ones have the blessing and the favor of God resting upon you? So I ask that question. Who in the world would not want God to bless them? I believe, folks, that deep down inside every person, I believe that each of us have a desire to be blessed. Whether a person might be religious or non-religious, spiritual or secular, an atheist or whatever, I think that people do desire to be blessed. I mean, people all the time talking about either uh, getting a blessing or blessing somebody else. When, when you hear somebody sneeze, what's the first thing somebody says? Bless you. It used to be God bless you. I guess they decided to do away with God in the sneezing aspect as well. Uh, think about the fact that not only God bless you, but think about the fact years ago when a young man was going to marry a woman, he went to that girl's daddy, and what did he do? He asked the blessing of the father before he asked that girl to marry him. You know, many years ago, there was a song. It was written by an anonymous writer, and it's a beautiful ancient song. It's the one we're going to look at tonight. It describes just how great God's blessings are. And the wonderful thing about uh, the blessings are they're for everybody. Anybody who wants them can have them if they'll just seek them. Now, this particular psalm is not very well known. And if you had to pick 100 top 100 psalms in this book, this one would probably not be in that list. Like I say, not many people know. As a matter of fact, most commentary writers, when they write anything about the 67th Psalm, it's usually about a paragraph or a half a paragraph. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, who wrote five large volumes, studies on the book of Psalms, he didn't even think this Psalm was important enough to list and include in that book. But I want to tell you, when you study this Psalm and you listen to the words of this beautiful Psalm, you find some of the greatest blessings Folks, that we who are believers can know and enjoy. And you find a blessing the entire world can enjoy every day. God's blessing, think about it. God's blessing really is a gift that just keeps on giving. I want to share with you real quick four things that we get every day because of the blessings of God. Number one, God's blessing gives us grace. I want you to look at verse one of this psalm. God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now, when we think of blessings, our mind usually goes to one of three places. We think about blessings, we think about people. You know, we think about the fact, we talk about how, uh, you know, people have been a blessing to us. How blessed we are to have the family we have or to have the friends we have, a great spouse or great employer, great in, employer. Uh, secondly, many people immediately talk about blessings. They think about possessions. So we talk about being blessed with a big house, a big car, you know, new clothes, uh, a big paycheck, a great vacation. And then the third thing, a lot of folks, it will go to position. We think of being blessed, uh, you know, well, I'm blessed. I'm president of a company or, or a dean of a college or principal of a school or, or pastor of a church. But the songwriter here, folks, points out the greatest blessing of all, which is actually God himself. That's the greatest. And the first part of verse 1, God be merciful unto us and bless us. What this psalmist is saying here, again, the greatest blessing of God is God himself. When you have the face of God shining on you, the mouth of God smiling at you, there's no better place to be. There's no greater blessing to receive than that from God. Now, it's also interesting and amazing to me, think about this, how facial expressions can put a knot in your gut or joy in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? 
somebody's facial expression toward you. It can either make you feel good or make you feel bad. It can make you feel like a, a million dollars or a counterfeit penny. And it speaks volumes. So when you turn your face away from someone, uh, that speaks volumes of what you think about that person. But when someone turns their face toward you and there is a radiant smile, there's a glow, there's a shine, then you don't need words because you know how they feel about you. The reason why the psalmist, folks, is asking God for blessing and a shining face toward, turned toward us is because it signals two of the greatest things that we all want from everybody. You know what that is? Love and acceptance. So he says, God, let your face shine on us. Turn your face toward us so that we know your love and we understand and receive your acceptance. And I want to say this to you. It does not matter who rejects you. It matters more if God accepts you. It doesn't matter who hates you. What matters more is that God loves you. Now, you may be thinking, preacher, you're over-spiritualizing God's blessings and, and you're trying to ignore the material blessings. No, I'm not. But here's what I want you to get. I do want to challenge you with this. Not everything that we consider as a blessing is really a blessing. And I want you to keep that in mind. It's the spiritual blessing of all, which is the favor and the acceptance of God, knowing God. If that doesn't lie at the foundation of all our other blessings, including the blessings of possession and material things, then those other blessings, those material things, those possessions, they will become a curse to us instead of a blessing. Because we substitute them for God and we think we have all them, so we don't need God. That's why I say the greatest blessing of all is God Himself. That happens happened over the years. We don't understand the purpose of God's blessings to begin with. Now I want you to notice something else the psalmist says. Look uh, again, verse 1, the second part of verse 1, and cause His face to shine upon us. The purpose of God's blessing is not that people will mark how blessed we are, but they will marvel at how wonderful God is who provided the blessings. You understand me on that? Listen, what we do when we're blessed and people see how blessed we are, again, it's not so they can, they can marvel at all that we have, all that God has given to us, but so they can marvel at how wonderful, how gracious, and how loving God has been to us. And then we turn and testify the blessings of God and testify to the fact that all blessings we have come from God. And we do that so uh, others can know God and others can know this God who wants to bless them like He's blessed us. In other words, we're not to be lakes of blessing. We're not to be reservoirs of blessing. We're to be rivers of blessing. We're not, uh, not, just, we're not blessed just to be blessed, folks. We're blessed so that we can in turn bless others. Now, that's, I know that's a concept people talk about all the time. And you hear it in churches, but I don't think it registers with a lot of folks. Do you realize all that you have, all that God has given you, all that He has blessed you with is so you in turn might bless somebody else. So that's the way a church is supposed to function. That's the way a church operates. God's blessing gives us grace so that we can in turn share with others the best news of all, and that is God wants us to share His grace with everyone else, uh, be a blessing to everybody else. And you know what the greatest blessing? God Himself. And what goes hand in hand with that, when I talk about the blessing uh, gives us grace, folks, salvation that God offers. The salvation God offers by grace. What a blessing of God's grace. I want you to see the second thing. God's blessing. Also, it gives us guidance. Now, I want you to listen to a verse in this song that's both comforting and amazing at the same time. Look at verse 4. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing. For joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations 
upon earth. Now, let me read this to you out of the NIV. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. You know, at the end of the day, here's the facts, folks. At the end of the day, presidents win and presidents lose. Kings live, kings die. Dictators, they come and they go. But the blessing of God is that God rules this earth with equity, and God guides the nations by His hand. You've heard me preach on this. You've heard me say it many times. No matter what's happening in the world, that does not change who God is. That doesn't change the fact that God's the one that's in control. Now, I'll be the first one to admit to you that at times it feels like and it doesn't look like it's true. But I can tell you with 100% confidence, God's using every nation, every government, every ruler. He's using them in their place and he's moving them along the flow of history to where he ultimately wants everything to go. Now, let me ask you a question. Where is all this world, this universe, and all history headed to? What is the culmination of history? The return of Jesus Christ. That's what all the history is moving toward. And God's plan when He governs, when God moves, when He oversees nations of this world, that's what He's doing. It's setting the stage for that. Understand something, friend. God is not just an American God. God is a French God. God is an English God, a Japanese God. God is God of the whole world, not just America. And God governs every nation. Jesus Christ is Lord over every square inch of land on this planet and over every single drop of water. He is in charge and He's running the show. Not only does He rule over the people of the earth, but He guides the nations. I'll say it again. Now let's think individually for a minute. He guides us, does He not? you believe God guides us? Each and every day. Folks, He guides us to light when we're in the dark. He moves us to peace when we're in trouble. He brings us to safety when we're in a storm. But in His own way, using His own methods, in His own timing, for His own purposes, God guides the nations. Now, let me say something right here. With all that's going on in the news today in our country, this, what I've just said about God guiding the nations, this is why even in our politics, we have to keep God in mind. So many people fail to see God in our governing, God in our nation, in our politics. Do you realize God is going to cause to happen or make to happen what God wants to happen? And we're not going to change that. Now, God wants us to be involved. God wants us to seek His face in all things. But do not forget, folks, who's in charge of it all. That's why we ought to pray for our political leaders on both sides of the aisle. Okay? That's why we ought to pray for the president regardless of who he may be or she may be. That's why we ought to pray for leaders of other countries, folks, because God guides not just America, but the world. His hand's on the steering wheel. I don't think anybody could deny the fact, folks, that this world would be 180 degrees different from what it is today if every nation truly lived and believed that they were a nation under God. Things would change. I was reading... Several years ago, Marcia and I, uh, when we went to New England, and I was reading about lighthouses and how they functioned, how they were built, you know, back years ago before, the, before GPS and before all the, the technology and electronics. And I found out they built two types of lighthouses hundreds of years ago. One lighthouse was built on a rocky uh, coastline or shoreline. It was on for dangerous coastlines. And they would build it so the light was, it was designed to prevent ships from sailing too close to that destructive area. Other lighthouses, they were built near the mouths and bays and waterways so they could guide sailors to safety and guide them home. 
Now, let me say this. In a world that's drowning in a sea of moral confusion, in a world that's battered from side to side by so-called experts that say what used to be right is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right, I want to tell you something, friend. There's a God in heaven who has blessed us and has given us His Word as a lighthouse to show individuals, to show churches, to show communities and nations the right way to live, the right way to think, and the right, right way to, to pray and the right way to seek His face so that we can navigate through the dark storms of life that hit us all the time. But our problem is we don't look to the lighthouse. We look to everything and everybody except the one person who can guide us. His blessing gives guidance. Let me look at the third thing the psalmist says. God's blessing gives joy. It gives you bright gladness if you want something starts with a G. I told you before, folks, any time... A thought or a phrase is repeated in Scripture. That's the Bible's way of emphasizing it. And you really need to pay attention to it. Well, there's a repetition of a verse here in this passage. Look at verse 3. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Drop down to verse 5. Same thing. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Now, folks, when it's said twice, that means you ought to listen twice as much. Now, in this case, you ought to praise twice as much. It tells us to praise God twice. It tells us that. God's blessing ought to make us happy. It ought to make us glad. We ought to be glad that God rules over people. We ought to be glad that God governs and guides nations. We ought to be glad that God's salvation is available to everyone. Folks, we ought to be glad for all the goodness that God brings in our life each and every day. Do you realize the word blessings used 415 times in the Old Testament alone? 415 times. Now, I find it funny that we as believers, we swim every day in the ocean of God's blessing, in the ocean of God's goodness, and oftentimes we don't even realize we're wet. You know what I mean by that? We never stop to think about God's blessings. About all that God has given to us. All that God does for us. You've heard me say it, but I'm going to say it again. That breath that you just took, that's a blessing from God. See, for you to die... God doesn't have to take your breath away. He just has to quit giving it to you. God doesn't have to take your heartbeat away. He just has to quit giving it to you. It's a blessing from God. I remember a group of students were asked to list what they thought were the, the present seven wonders of the world. And these are what got the most votes. What they thought were the present seven wonders of the world. Egypt's Great Pyramids, the Taj Mahal, Grand Canyon, Panama Canal, uh, World Trade Centers, or used to be World Trade Centers, St. Peter's Basilica, uh, and then the Great Wall of China. Now, while the teacher was gathering these votes up, she noticed that one of the students was quiet in the back. She hadn't turned her paper in. She asked the girl, she said, Honey, you having trouble with your list? And the little girl said, Yes, ma'am, I can't make my mind up. There's so many wonders. The teacher said, Well, let's see what you got. Maybe we can help you. She said, Okay. She said, I think the seven wonders of the world are these. This is what this little girl wrote. To touch, to taste, to see, to hear, to feel, to laugh, to love. That was her list of the seven wonders of the world. When she read that, the class went totally silent. The teacher uh, first was shocked, and then she said, You know what, honey, I believe you're right. And to the class's amazement, she continued on. She said, All the wonders that the class listed can either be built or be bought. But I believe what you listed are blessings. They can either be built or bought. Understand, blessings that God gives you, they can't be built. They can't be bought. They come from one place. They come from his hand. Now, to make the point, notice what the psalmist says. Look at verse 6. He says, then shall, the earth, <coughs> then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, 
she'll bless us. Let me ask you something. Why do you think right in the middle of talking about the blessings of God, the songwriter would talk about a harvest? It's simple. This is an agricultural uh, society that he is writing in here. And one of the most visible ways that you could see God's blessing was at the time of harvest, when the increase came in. Most scholars that even uh, write about Psalm 67, they believe that this psalm was a harvest song. It was sung by people during the time they were harvesting their crops and bringing their crops in. Because the most important word to any farmer is the word harvest. Think about that word, folks. That word harvest, that, that's the difference between plenty and poverty. The difference between thriving and surviving. The difference between life and death for a farmer was a harvest. Now, nothing represents the goodness of God more than a harvest. Because think about this. You and I, we can plow the ground. We can plant the seed. But after we do that, guess what? That's all up to God. You and I can either harvest, uh, guarantee the harvest, or give the harvest. Only God can do that. The truth of the matter is, everything we have, friend, whether it's health or wealth, life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness, it's a blessing from God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a blessing from God. You're an American because God blessed you to be an American. Realize that? A lot of people think, well, we have blessings because of America. No, we have blessings because of God. We were blessed to be born here in America. I've told you before, you don't think it's a blessing to be born here in America? Go to some third world country. Stay for a few weeks or a month or two. You'll see what a blessing it is to be born in a free country. The truth of the matter is, again, folks, everything we have is a blessing from God. His blessings are the reason we live. And you know what? True Christians, we live hand to mouth. You say, what do you mean by that? We live from his hand to our mouth. That's what I mean by that. We understand everything we have, everything we will have is because of God's good grace. God blesses us with it. God's blessing brings, brings joy to our heart. And I want to see the final point. God's blessing gives him glory. Now, here's what happens when we realize, folks, it's God that gives us grace, guidance, goodness, and gladness and joy, we acknowledge that all that we have is His, and it comes from Him. And when we do that, then what we do with all those around us that see us and that hear us, and we give testimony to that fact, they give God the glory. That's why it's so important, Christian, for us to recognize and to acknowledge God's blessings in our life. I mean, we can't expect the world to let God guide them if we're not going to allow God to bless us with His guidance, if we're not going to follow it. We can't expect the world to desire God's grace if we don't testify that we're a blessing of God's grace. And you know what? If we don't experience the joy that ought to come by knowing we're blessed by God, how in the world can we make a world that's mad, sad, and dysfunctional see a God that wants to bless them? You see, ultimately, every single thing that God does is not just for our good. Well, let me say this. It's not even primarily for our good. All right, every single thing that God does primarily is for His glory. Look at verse 7. The psalmist closes with this verse. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear Him. Do you realize God desires for the earth to fear Him? And that word fear means to reverence Him, respect and respond to Him. That's what He deserves. All right, the, the earth, he, he desires and deserves 
that. He wants uh, people to give Him worship, witness, and, and, and that's His desire. He wants love and obedience, and that's what He demands. So it's what I say to you, church, and I want you to listen to me. If you want others to give God the glory, then you better give God the glory. If you want others to honor God with their life, then you better honor God with your life. When you go back to the first verse, I want to point something out to you before I close. Go back up to verse 1. When you go back to that first verse, if you're a student of the Old Testament, you realize the psalmist, what he's doing, he's actually referring to a prayer of Moses that's contained in Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus 33, in that prayer, Moses asked God for three things. Number one, he asked God that God would teach him and, and teach him his way so he could know him and find favor with God. Number two, he asked that God's presence remain on him and the children of Israel. And then number three, he prayed that he might look upon God's face and see his glory. Now, God answered those first two prayers. But in verse 20 of Exodus 33, this is what God says. You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Now, understand, folks, that was true. That was true until Jesus Christ came to this world. And everybody who looked into the face of Jesus Christ... Everybody who looked into the eyes of Jesus Christ was looking into the face and the eyes of God. And they got to see a glimpse of God's glory in this world. Let me tell you something, Christian. Someday we will see God in all of His glory when all the redeemed people of all the world are drawn to God from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. They come before His throne. And every race, folks, is going to be bathed in God's amazing grace and will see His face. Now think about what a blessing that's going to be. We sang a while ago with God, face to face with our Savior. One day we're going to be face to face with the glory of God. And you know why? It's all because of the greatest blessing that God ever gave when He sent His Son to this world to die on the cross for our sins, to go to the grave, to be resurrected, to come and live within our hearts so that He could bless every one of us. God's blessings. Aren't you glad for God's blessings? Aren't you thankful for the blessings of God in your life? I pray that you know them. If not, I pray that you start to know them by having a relationship with Him. You say, well, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I don't really experience the blessings of God like you're talking about, preacher. Yeah, you do. You're just not looking at it right. You're looking at it through selfish eyes instead of God's eyes. If you're a child of God, you're blessed. You're blessed. And friend, it really doesn't have anything to do with how much money you got in the bank, what kind of house you live in, a car you drive, or clothes you wear. It has to do with the fact that you're blessed because this life's not all there is. When this world's over, something far greater, something far better is on the horizon. And it's all because of the blessing of God, the grace, the blessing of God. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for the ones that I fail to realize from day to day and, and the times when you have stopped me and, and uh, stopped me dead in my tracks and reminded me of your blessings, of your goodness. I pray that each one of us who are your children, that, that on a daily basis, Father, we'd be reminded of just how good you are, of just how wonderful your blessings are in our lives. Father, I pray for those here tonight, maybe they're struggling with that. Maybe they're struggling with comprehending your blessings or, or seeing your blessings in their life. I pray you'll take the scales from their eyes. Father, I pray that you'll, you'll tighten and train their focus 
to see your blessings in their life. I pray that we will never, ever, Father, we'll never get, ever, ever get tired of telling the world of your great blessings, of sharing with those that we know, of our family and friends, those that are lost, of sharing with them just how gracious you truly are. God, I pray for those that need to make a decision tonight. If they need to, they would come out and do so. And all this done would be done for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Stand, please. Church, don't forget uh, Tuesday at 2 o'clock, I'll be to Hal's brother, Wendell. His service will be at uh, uh, Evans and Miller Funeral Home, 2 o'clock, that's, that's correct, right? Tuesday afternoon. Remember to pray for the family and keep them lifted up, especially during that time. Don't forget Wednesday night, back on a regular schedule. Anything else you need to announce? All right, Brother Matt, would you dismiss?